Welcome into Tex Hogs. My name is Kyle Sutherland. If you like what we've been doing, please be sure to share and subscribe our content. You can do that on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you listen to your podcast. And as of recent, we are now on iHeartRadio, so you can catch us on there. Subscribe, leave us a review, whatever you want to do. We've got Josh Thrown on today of the 4th and 5 podcast. He does that with DJ Williams, former Razorback tight end. Uh, you catch them on Facebook, and uh, they've been putting out some great content. Uh, this podcast they started a couple of weeks ago, or a couple months ago, I guess. And and mm-hmm. Josh, when I had you on last year, um, <laughs> we didn't think that the program could get any worse than it did, than it has gotten. Right. I was even saying that after Kentucky or really San Jose State, that it's there's no way that things can get worse than this, as opposed unless we just lose out. That included that be including Western Kentucky. With you being so close to this program and so with the picture with interviewing for Pig Trail Nation, what have you gotten from the? I mean, I know that we've seen a lot of it on Twitter, we've seen a lot of it on social media, but what are the what have the fans been saying that have actually stuck it out and gone to these games and, and actually stayed? Man, you know, I mean, I think the fans here in Arkansas are disappointed, you know, to say the least, obviously. But the people that are still making it to the game, the games at this point, you know, after a two uh, two win season last year, and they're coming in this year, and we, you know, kind of early loss to to San Jose State, and you know, the people that are still coming to the games, obviously, are diehard Razorback fans. I mean, these people are going to come, win or lose. I mean, obviously they are looking forward to us winning and hoping that we would win. And especially these close games, we have a chance to, um, you know, a lot of them are are just kind of looking for the university, for coach Morris, for uh, the athletic director, somebody to come out and say, Hey, we're going to be making these changes. Okay. Look forward to look forward to something different happening. I think what most fans are getting frustrated with is nothing changing and yet we're expecting some sort of different result. So you look at all the things that you can blame it on. The majority of fans are blaming it on the coaches. Some are saying uh, it's also along with the play calling's just not been right. Some are still sticking with the fact that we're just a really young team, the second youngest defense in the entire country. What would you say is the main, the foundation of the biggest issues in Fayetteville right now? Well, I think I think it comes down to recruiting. I mean, I, I think that's simply it. And I think that our, our our program was in a lot worse shape than what people realized, even what people realize now. I think most people are expecting us to to be, you know, leaps and bounds ahead of what we are. And, and to be frankly honest, I think that it was left in that bad of shape in regards to recruiting. And I don't want to you know, I know there's a, there's a few guys here and there that are some of the old heads, juniors and seniors on the team still. You know, there, there's some guys that do have some talent, but as a whole, I think that we really fell off with recruiting, and you just kind of are, are dealt with, you know, unfortunately, guys that don't match up in the SEC. I'm not saying they're not talented, and I don't want to sound like I'm bashing any of those athletes up there, you know, because I know they work hard. But at the end of the day, sometimes, you know, you're either blessed with the athletic ability or the physical ability or the attributes to play in the SEC. And I don't think we were getting those type of caliber guys towards the end of Brett Bielema's era. And I think that's what that Chad Morris took over. I think that expectations for us to even be anything – 
um, beyond five wins was was crazy if that's what you thought we were going to get this year I mean ideally as a Razorback fan I could hope you know right I would love to have a bowl game type season I mean that's what I, I, I wish for and I want for but I, at the end of the day uh, going into this season I, I knew hey well, I'm going to be lucky if we can get us if we can get five wins that will be a good a good year for us at the end of the day Razorback fans have to realize that our program was left in shambles as far as recruiting goes and it's been a downward spiral ever since the the Bobby Petrino wreck and yeah we got Brett Bieleman he took us up that one year to eight wins I believe but after that I mean something happened uh, as far as the recruiting goes and it's a talent thing uh and and it's a Jimmy's and Joe's and and I think that you know we, that's just what we're dealing with right now, regardless of who was coach. I think you're still going to run into these same issues. Sure, there's some play calling things. There's some scheme things I think we could do differently. Heck, I mean, if I was running the program, I might be second guessing or challenging Chavis. Like, hey, look, man, you got to step up because, or else I don't, I don't know if I'm going to have a job for you. But at the end of the day, we got to recruit. And and Chad Morris, if if you can say anything bad about him it's it's you know unfortunately it's it's what's happened on game day everything else he's doing right he's doing right off the field i mean he's put together a great class for us i mean we 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 had one of the best recruiting classes we've had we we should be building towards the future i would love to have seen us get that a&m win not lose to san jose get that kentucky win and we would have a completely different outlook and at the end of the day there's only a few few different plays that are really you know uh, holding us back. We're right there. We're like coming around the corner. We just can't seem to get around it yet. I had picked this team to win five games as well. I, I completely agree with that. I had said it throughout the entire offseason, throughout fall camp. I just think that that was the ceiling. I wrote an article saying that the best case scenario was seven wins. Just that's everything bouncing your way. Of course, you win your non-con games right. and you somehow were to steal three SEC games, which I didn't personally believe that, but I thought that that was the absolute best case scenario if they were to have everything bounce their way. Mm -hmm. But I I completely agree about the recruiting as well as they did on the recruiting trail. You're still going to need one, maybe even two more solid classes just because of the depth that you have to play with in the SEC. I mean, look at the defense. Right. And you you think about this, man. I mean, look at our, look at our best offensive players right now. Okay. Of course you got Rakeem Boyd, which was a transfer. Okay. You got him. But outside of that, you're you're talking about um, uh, Traylon Burks, Trey Knox, and you know C.J. O'Grady. So basically, basically one guy that was here during the Brett Bielema era on offense. That's still you know that's that's somebody that we can rely on. Rakeem Boyd, you know, being a transfer guy, I'm not counting him as anybody that Bielema had anything to do with. And Trey Knox and Traylon Burks. Those that's that's our offensive weapons. I mean, that alone should tell you that the the cabinet was empty. You know, when we came in, I mean, you got CG O'Grady. That's great. Okay, that's one guy. Um, but outside of that, you know, you've got your transfer under King Boyd. You got Trey Knox. You got Traylon Burks. Two freshmen, two eighteen year old kids straight out of high school. If that is what Chad Morse is bringing to the table, and those two kids that he's brought to the table are better than any of our other wide receivers. Let's give him time to see if he can continue to recruit those caliber players because in about three or four years, if we have a cabinet full of those type of guys, well, then we've got ourselves a team. I I think my biggest thing that's becoming – undefendable in my eyes is last year you I think we had you on two or three times and 
we just kept talking about be patient, be patient, which last year I have, you have to give him a mulligan. As you mentioned, he just walked into a completely atrocious situation. Didn't have guys fit for his system. Really. A lot of those guys didn't belong. I mean, again, like you said, not trying to bash them, but a lot of those guys just didn't belong in the sec. And that's why a lot of them are on FCS rosters now right. or lower yeah, tier, I mean, I, uh, lower I, tier. FBS I agree teams. with a lot of that. And um, I just think, I think for me, the, the, the day, big, the thing that's just becoming ahead. undefendable was how I really just his uh, the San Jose State game. It just really bothered me how he could not seem to get that team to come back down to earth after their Colorado State win. Yeah, that was great. You came away. You showed that you could, even though it's against an inferior opponent, you showed that you could still win the game in the fourth quarter. You could make plays. You could get turnovers. And then against Kentucky, you had two weeks to prepare. You you come in at Texas A and M and you you played a great game. Had a chance to win it there at the end, and just couldn't get it done as we've seen so many times. But against Kentucky, it was just really bothersome to me that they go in against a quarterback or against a wide receiver that was converted over to quarterback that has never consistently played the position, and they still couldn't figure out a defense to stop him. You give up 330 yards when you when they knew that they were going to run against him. And I thought that there was plenty of times that they just weren't aggressive enough, particularly towards the end of the first half. And so I am all about being patient. Again, it takes time. Uh, there, there's no excuse for losing to San Jose State, regardless. But I just, I don't, I don't think. I said on the previous podcast I did earlier this week that with this current staff, I don't think we're going to get over the hump that we're in right now. I don't think that there's any chance at any. Obviously, this season, but later on, I don't know that there's any chance at a bowl game with the staff that they have on board right now. And there, Chad will be there after this season. He'll be there at least through 2020. But it's the question of who is he going to figure out that needs to be replaced? Because there's a lot of money being thrown out there and no results. Right. I think that, you know, well, obviously with with our coordinators positions, I think those are up for grabs. I mean, our offense has not been clicking in the way that you want an offense to click. On the defensive side of the ball, there's been a bunch of question marks all year long. I mean, I've been there watching the games and I've been wondering, you know, what are we doing right now? Third down and 10 and we're five yards past the sticks. I'm not understanding why we have a, you know, four D-backs five yards past. It looks like we're in a prevent defense. So there, there's there's situations that I've I can watch and are like, you know, ingrained in my brain that I have flashbacks to that I'm like, what was Chavis thinking? Um, but on the flip side, I'm trying, you know, I try to think positive, man. I mean, that's all I can do at this standpoint. Cause I mean, if I don't think positive, I'm just going to be miserable all day, every day. I look at that Kentucky game and, you know, I see outside of the, you know, there was, there was two plays there at the end of the game and Chavis touched on this in his press conference. There was two plays at the end of the game that added up like over a hundred yards, um, and one of those plays was, I think, like a 60-yard run or something like that from the quarterback there, um, and or the receiver slash quarterback there. And he, uh, you know, it was a miscommunication. You know, it wasn't the fact that our defense was tired or not good. I mean, literally one miscommunication on the field led to that touchdown drive being so easy for those guys. So I look at like from a coaching aspect, like if I'm on that coaching staff. I'm thinking, man, we are so close. We could have won that Kentucky game. There was a few situations that we could have done different. We could have won that A&M game. San Jose State, I mean, that was just a, a, a share. I mean, I was I was about to say a bad word. That was just a terrible performance. I don't know. I don't know what was going on there. But you know, then I look at the, the whole quarterback situation and some of the coaching decisions that happened with. You know, Nick Starkle, and I understand the mindset of these coaches right now. They want to be able to 
pick a quarterback and stay with that quarterback. It makes sense because you want to be able to build, especially for the future. Starkle has a whole nother year and you want to be able to get to that uh, with him and you want to be able to build with him this year. So, you know, at the end of the day, you look at Hicks from a coaching standpoint, and okay, he, he, he hasn't shown us uh, up until this point to be that much better than Starkle or on the same level as Starkle. So why not just go with Starkle? Cause he, he's got a better arm at times and, Let's let's ride or die with him, but as a coach, you gotta be able to look at that at Kentucky at half and say, "Hey, forty-one yards." Okay, my guy Hicks just came off of uh, almost winning a game against Texas A&M, and he stepped up his play. Let me throw him in at half before it's too late. I think that's where the coach went wrong, and he 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 mentioned that he he watched Starkle at the beginning of the game and did not think that he was in his groove. He could see that he was out of it. Um, if you saw it at the beginning of the game, why does it take you to till, till the end of the third quarter to make that call? You just shot yourself in the foot. Um, so there's there's coaching decisions like that that, that I do believe um, is their fault, and it makes me question the staff. But at the end of the day, I think if we can iron out some of these coordinator positions, get the right guys in there, then with the recruiting ability of Chad Morris, that he was able to do it a two-win season, I think that we can actually build a future here with him. Um, I just think it's going to take time. We got young kids, and at the end of the day, you can't be young in the SEC. You got to you got to have juniors and seniors that are starting. You need to have multiple guys on each side of the ball that have NFL potential, and you got to have depth. And I think that's just where we're lacking right now. And all this other stuff is is just a um, a compound effect of of the fact that we don't we don't have players out there that can our coaches can be confident in and that can go out there and execute right now. Talking about bringing in more guys and recruiting earlier this well right after the Kentucky game, we lost Tykeus Crawford, our top recruit right. for the class of 2020, number 172 player overall at the Carthage, Texas, in a, at a crucial position such as offensive tackle, where we are desperate for that for that kind of depth, not not just that depth, but just a player uh, to come in to, to contend with the guys that are on campus now. And it's looking like possibly now this is not set in stone, but rumor has it that Martavius French who's committed, he's got two teammates and out of Memphis Whitehaven and to Marion McDonald, who's committed to Mississippi state and Bryson Eason. That is a big, both of those guys, big time targets for the hogs. And they got, they, they seem like they want to play together and Tennessee is one of the schools that's really making a move on them. Do you think that we've already lost Greedy Vance and Xavion Capers on top of Crawford? What do you think has to happen? Obviously wins, but do you think just playing competitive and still losing maybe every game but Western Kentucky at this point, how many how many guys do you think could drop off from what we've already well, had? Well, I look at last season, right? And I see, you know, we had we had two wins. Chad Morris was able to pull off this recruiting um class that that was you know one of our better recruiting classes in a lot of years so i look at that and i say okay if you can do it then you can you you've got to be able to pull it off again because now you've got even more freshman talent in here so you can say hey listen we're really building towards something if you sold it last year i'm banking on you being able to sell it again now with that being said wins would help right i mean that's that's always going to help that's going to kind of change the morale of the team if we can come off with an upset by the end of this year, upset one of these teams. I mean, if we can go in and we can, you know, come off with an upset against Auburn, we ain't going to beat Alabama. I mean, I'm not even going to sit there and try to say that we could pull that off. But, uh, you know, we, we always play Auburn 
decent, I feel like. Um, and both these coaches understand one another. So I think we can go into this game with a pretty good scheme. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, Malzahn even came out and said that he's not expecting us to just roll over and die. He's expecting a ball game. Uh, I think he knows that Chad Morse understands the way he coaches. We know what to expect. That's got to give us some sort of leverage. Um, and man, our, we're, we're due for something. We're due for some sort of break, some sort of, you know, tipped pass that falls in our defender's hand three or four times a game. And we need a five pick game. That's what we need. We need a San Jose state game for us so that we can go beat somebody. That would be amazing. And then, Hey, you know, you got LSU and you got Missouri, Western Kentucky. That's going to be an interesting one too. Uh, with Ty Story coming back, I mean, he's, he's not going to roll over and die. So I'm just crossing my fingers. We come up with an upset against one of these SEC teams um, that can get the ball rolling for us and get morale changed. But the sooner the better because we're bleeding right now, you know? Well, I think what scares me the most is about – you mentioned how he sold playing time last year and he, he kept that class together, which I, I can't think of a better recruiting job to get a top 25 class after such a horrible right. season, the worst in school history. The only thing that concerns me this year, and this is one of the reasons why I think Crawford dropped out, I don't know his mind, but this is kind of what I'm feeling, is you don't have playing time quite as much anymore. And especially with Devin Bush leaving, that's really scary too because we were thinking that he was going to get a really significant amount of playing mm-hmm. time. He he had about six tackles up to that up to this point this year, and there's some that are talking about maybe he wasn't all he was hyped up to be. I don't necessarily disagree. I don't necessarily agree with that, uh, but it does really concern me though that if because I again I was saying that this team was going to win five five games. I think many people were thinking between five six max. You might get to a bowl game, but I think that it, recruits probably had in their minds look. All we want to see is is progress on the field. We want to see that we want to see games like that we that they played against A and M, which you know A and M is not an Alabama or even definitely an LSU this year, but it's it's a formidable opponent. And up until really last season, that's really what they really let go of the rope against Vanderbilt, Mississippi State, Missouri, and just got rolled over. And it's just really scary to me because we've still got some good recruits on board. You got Darren Turner, Cavante Dixon. I mean, there's a lot of guys that are still solid. On, on this or in this recruiting class, but where they really they really cannot afford to lose French. They have to they have to oversign at linebacker. That's just where that's that's the kind of in the kryptonite of, of how great this coaching staff has recruited. Linebacker is where they really whiff last year in recruiting, and it, it's really scary to me. Especially you've got Devon McClure, who might not have been a major contributor, but man, Lord forbid, Scooter Harris or Bumper Pool goes down. Oh, it's going right. to be. I mean, that's just really horrifying to think yeah, about. Yeah, you know, I mean, as far as recruits go, and, and making sure those guys stay on board. Yeah, you're right. I mean, to, you got to win to keep them to keep them on board a lot of the time. But uh, you know, I think one of the things that we should really start looking at as a university is JUCO guys. Um, I think Bobby Petrino did a good job at bringing in some JUCO guys when they were needed uh, during his uh, during his tenure at Arkansas. There was there was a handful of guys. Um, that were able to come in as juniors and seniors and give us two years um, on our team and and immediately add some leadership, add some experience, add some maturity, some people who had already been developed as an athlete. And I think 
that if, if co- the coaching staff at Arkansas is looking to make a big change, it's, it's for me, yeah, we're still developing those young guys. Yeah, you still want to focus on getting those top-tier high school athletes. But JUCO has a lot of guys who were top-tier high school athletes. You go out and you get them. They've already been involved in programs. They've already been on the college level. Whatever reasons they ended up in JUCO, whether it be grades or some sort of trouble, hey, bring those guys in. We need that. We need that mentality. I was telling DJ Williams, hey, we need some guys that got some bad grades, man. We need some guys who've got bad attitudes who want to take it out on the field. And we just got to get us some dogs on that field that are ready to play. And I think, I think from a recruiting aspect, that the coaches can make up for some of the guys dropping off with bringing in the proper JUCO athletes. I think that that's a big help, and I've seen it work time in, time again with other coaches and other programs. So I think that's where our head needs to be. And let's just hope that those JUCO players are like a Jeremiah Ledbetter or Rakeem Boyd <laughs> right, as opposed to right. Jabozi Nuwana, who that's, you know, Dustin Fry said that he, he, and I quote, he brought. Two, two offensive tackles from Juco in to piss off Colton Jackson and Dalton Wagner and all these guys. And we haven't really – we haven't seen any contribution for from Nuana, but eh, it's kind of been so-so with, with Myron Cunningham who right. had a lot of hype coming in. So that's the only thing about Juco. I mean, I'm with you. I agree with that. But, man, that's rolling the dice big time because it's just like if you don't – if they don't contribute right then, I mean, like Sebastian Tritola, he was – he – wasn't the smartest shooting himself in the leg or whatever he did in the NFL. But at Arkansas, he was throwing touchdown passes and opening up holes for Alex Collins and and Jonathan Williams. So, yeah, I I mean, get those guys. Get those guys in. Bielema was way too – and I always hate going back to him, but it's easy to compare these two tenures. But he he was always just so picky with his recruiting, whether it be Juco or whoever. Mm-hmm. It's like he wouldn't offer the guy until he knew they were going to commit. And so you you can't be like that, especially at Arkansas. Right. And so I want to get into as well. I I have I've preached so many times. I know you've talked. We we've heard it our whole lives that you must recruit the state of Texas in order to be you recruit it successfully in order to have success at Arkansas. Mm-hmm. And I really can't think of a staff right now. You've got, of course, Chad with all of his with his connections around the state. You've got associate head coach Keith Trailer. It's a legend in East Texas uh, that was the main recruiter for Tykeus Crawford, Gilvante Dixon, TQ Jackson. The, the list goes on and on. And a, a legend in his own right from winning state championships at Gilmer High School. This sta- and, and, of course, you've also got Mark Smith, Ron Cooper. Th- they have so many ties to the state of Texas it just really concerns me that if they don't work out, which the as of right now, the writing on the wall is saying that they won't. I don't know another staff that is going to be able to recruit this state as hard as they are and as well as they have. Right. I mean, you have to think about, and, and, and Texas is hard to recruit if you really think about it. You've got Texas A&M. You've got TCU. You've got the University of Texas. I mean, down there where you're at, you have a handful of other schools. I mean, you got Rice. You've got uh, uh, SMU. Guys want to stay home a lot of the time. Kids grow up in Texas. A lot of times want to stay in Texas. Then you still got to deal with LSU coming over and picking up people. You got to deal with Georgia coming over and picking up people. You got to deal with Alabama coming in and saying, hey, you can win a national championship here. You've got a lot of people to, to choose from. And then you've got old 2 and 10 Arkansas who's coming down there. And yeah, we've got some connections with head, head football coaches because all of our player or all of our other coaches have, have those high school connections down there. But at the end of the day, these kids that are now in 12th grade have spent uh, the past nine years of their life since they were nine years old to 18 
watching Arkansas not play very well. You know what I mean? So in their mind, the University of Arkansas isn't a football school. It's not a powerhouse school. It's not somewhere you want to go if you want to win. That's what they've witnessed since they were nine years old. And now you've got this this Texas-based coaching staff at Arkansas who's claiming to be able to go do it. Well, you still – you're getting – it's it's tough to land a bunch of you know four star guys five star guys obviously if you use what you want from from Texas it's it's hard because you're you've got so much competition so a lot of times you're just dealing with scraps you're trying to pick up the three star here the three star here you know you're trying to grab this four star if you can get lucky and it just becomes super super hard I think and I think a lot of people are obviously you know big on Texas because it's a huge high school football state uh, they send tons of athletes all across the nation. Uh, but I, I think at the same time, the the team you don't want to be in Texas it, for the past nine years is Arkansas. It's tough. So uh, I, you know, I, I hear the hype around and the excitement around being able to have Chad Morris's coaching staff to be able to do it. But you know, if Chandler Morris is the best athlete you're getting me out of Texas next year, then you know we've got a problem, in my opinion. Yeah, and I, I think Chandler is is definitely suited for this offense, seeing as though he's been around it his entire life. I think I, I I'm not so sure how I feel about him in terms of what he'll how that will translate over to college because Highland Park runs a they ran a system. I mean, John Stephen Jones was really well in it. Uh, Chandler throws an accurate ball, but that would just be great. I, I was listening to Danny West talk uh, the other day and he was saying that he was talking to Tykeus Crawford after the Kentucky game. And he's not quite ready to shut the, this is Danny's words, just based on what he got off the conversation. Mm-hmm. He's not quite ready to shut the door on him. So if you can, if you can secure a guy and let and have him come full circle and just do something to keep these guys on track, because I think that's probably the most stressful part of this of, of this entire coaching staff right now is not necessarily what's happening at the moment is in their minds I really do think that for the most part that they feel they can get it done mm-hmm. but at the same time if you don't get those athletes on like what you were saying earlier you don't get those guys on campus then we're going to have some problems right. I mean it's just and you you really feel because I know that these guys I can just tell by their passion that they want to oh win. yeah they, and, and they, like, they, they want it so bad for this for this state for the program and um, it, you just it, you hate to see it happen like this, but I think what really sucks for the fan base, especially, is there's so many. And, and I understand that, that you're going to have those fickle people in just about every fan base. Everybody's quick to say, "Fire this guy, fire that guy," but they need to realize that Chad Morris is going to be here next. hundred percent. Unless something 100%. just crazy happens, he's going to be here next mm-hmm. season because. They're still paying Brett Bielema $320,000 from his buyout until next December. So we still got 14 months of, of Brett Bielema making 320 k off the university. And then if you fire Chad Morris this year, you're looking at a seven to nine million dollar buyout. You're paying two you're paying two guys that are not coaching, have nothing to do with the U of A, that you're paying a little over a half million dollars in buyouts on top of the next coach. And also what image does that send to the NCAA to the coaching world to fire a guy after two years I get it it's looking like his record is going to be about what four and uh, I know he'll be 0 and 16 in the SEC but uh, he'll have four wins in two years again I mean it's just yeah it sounds terrible well, you know I, I just but, want I've, my message to, to the fans out there has has been number one I understand your frustration I feel your frustration I've been let down 
multiple times this season. But I'm telling you right now that if Chad Morris can get the right guys at the University of Arkansas, which he so far he has shown that he can build a program with recruits, he's just got to continue to do it. Yeah, we're at this little rough patch. We've had a couple of recruits decommit. We had Devin Bush uh, try to transfer or put in for the transfer portal. I understand that. But, you know, this is a coach who even has guys, players that are in the NFL right now, Deshaun Watson, who sign off on him and say he's one of the best coaches you've ever coached with. They talk about his football acumen, his ability to run an offense, his, avail- his ability to um, um, be an offensive coordinator, uh, which is important for me as a head coach. I want you involved in the offense. And I just think it comes down to players and having the right caliber of athletes on the field to execute for you. Because, as you know, Chad Morris is not going to go in there and say, all right, hey, you know, at post game, hey, man, we almost won today. You know, at the end of the day, uh, you know, I think we, you know, we, we felt we came up short today. Credit to Auburn. They put up a good game. Um, but, you know, we just don't have the athletes yet. Those guys in the locker room just aren't there yet. Um, and we're going to need a few more years to get some guys in and develop the ones we got. He, he can't go out there and say that, you know, but that's the reality of the situation. I mean, I wholeheartedly believe that right now you're dealing with a talent issue um, as far as it, for the people who want, you know, seven games, eight games this season, th- those people. But I do believe that a few, a few minor coaching decisions gone differently, we could have right now four to five wins i truly believe that i i agree with that i think that there was a well first of all uh you should have for sure won the kentucky game the san jose state this shouldn't have happened i i get that we were really never in that game until the very end uh, whenever they after they the razorbacks had scored san jose state bounced right back and then ran it down the right. field but uh I, I mean it's there's just there's i i would totally be accepting of letting letting the North Texas and the Colorado State game from last year go. But I'm just having a the, – it's the San Jose State, man. Like, that's just one that I really – because, I mean, it, no matter what Chad does from this point, I mean, I want him to win every single game. I want – this is a guy that I just want to be successful because, again, I, I know the importance of recruiting in Texas, and I just – I can tell this guy just has so much passion for, for coaching and just the university in general. But – it's just it sucks for him do, though. though. What do you no do as a coach what? when you have a quarterback out there that throws five picks? I mean, is that really your fault? I mean, I guess it's your fault for not pulling him, right? I guess it's your fault for not sitting him. Yeah, sooner. I, I think you got to pull him probably after three. You got to figure something out. And I and I've I, I'm kind of contradicting myself because I said hundreds of times, especially in, in fall camp, as as they kept on dragging on the quarterback competition, that we can't have an, uh, a similar situation as last year. But it's like, dude, every time that the backup has come in outside of Starkle and those short couple of minutes he got right before halftime at Portland State, every time the backup has come in, they've played better than the starter. And that's alarming to me too, is that A, you don't know who your quarterback is when you handpicked two guys, one of which threw for all these touchdowns and yards, also had quite a few interceptions, but Ben Hicks does not have any of those this year. But you handpicked two of these guys to come in and we still have no idea who the clear-cut right. guy is. Well, and I don't think that playing KJ Jefferson is the answer. Now, once you get down to, and I know we this is another thing that we talked about a little bit yesterday. Once you get down to the four games that he can play, you put him in against Western Kentucky. You put him in against maybe Mississippi State. You don't put him in against Alabama or, or LSU in Tuscaloosa and Tuscaloosa and Baton right. Rouge. 
and completely screw his head up. You just can't. Yeah, you don't want to get the kid hurt. Uh, you know, putting KJ Jefferson in right now and coming up these, especially these two next games, Auburn, Alabama, I think is a bad decision. Hold him out for the for the remainder, you know, of the year and toss him in. Don't burn his red shirt, but get him some experience. You know, and as far as the coaching or as far as the quarterback situation goes, I look at it like this. You know, I, and DJ Williams and I have gone back and forth about this whole situation. But my opinion is this: is at the beginning of the season, Hicks' performance was more affected by the team being a young team, not being jailed, not not being in sync, not understanding the offense, uh, getting the nerves out. You know, first game, um, you know, Portland State and the Ole Miss game is the first half of the Ole Miss game as well. Just not clicking yet. I think that after the first half of the Ole Miss game that came in at halftime, I think the coaches were, to, were, were, were able to address some things, some scheme problems, some play calling, um, and really just get in at halftime and kind of hit, hit the reset button on the whole game plan. Then they come out. I think Nick Starkle benefited from being able to come out with a new game plan. I don't think that that, that, that offensive game plan first half would have worked for Starkle or Hicks. I think that that halftime they were able to re- reset, get a new game plan, come out with Starkle, and all of a sudden all of the other changes is what really affected the overall quarterback play, not so much the switch of the quarterback. Because once again, when you go back to that Texas A&M game, you know, obviously you get through that you get through that old Miss game and people were saying, oh, you know, if we'd had Starkle start and we'd have won. Well, then you go in a San Jose State game and Starkle throws your five picks. Then you come out in the Texas A&M game, Starkle shows some flashes of being – being decent, and then he throws another pick. Um, and then Hicks comes in, and he performs well. He's the Hicks that we were originally hoping for. And then you go back to Starkle, and Starkle shows you why uh, he probably wasn't the starter at the beginning of the season. And then Hicks comes back in, and he shows you the Hicks that you were hoping for again. So I think that we we kind of prematurely made the switch to Starkle just due to outside pressure. Um you know, more so than it was really overall quarterback play uh, week in and week out. And, and uh, you know, I think it had to deal with the, it being the beginning of the season. These guys are just now jailing. There's a lot of kinks to work out outside of just the quarterback play the first game of the season. And I think as those kinks got to work out, now you're seeing the hicks that we were supposed to see. And, you know, the problem is, is the season's basically done with at this point. And, you know, why would you put Hicks in when he's, you know, he's not playing for you next season. You got to get somebody, some sort of experience before this season is over, who's going to come back, right? Uh, yeah, I agree with that completely. It's And that, that's why you're at the – I almost wish they would have played like the LSUs and the Alabamas at the beginning of the season. A, get those horrible days that the Razorback fans are going to have out of the way. But also, it's if, you, if the season's going to be over at this point, then after this game, you can start playing Cage. You can play him the rest of the year because that you can play those four games and and not have to worry about burning or not have to worry about uh his red shirt being burned but um I, I'm with you it's it's really tough it's like some people are calling for John Stephen Jones I don't I don't think that that's what we need to do but will Stark will get it back he looked phenomenal against against Colorado State again you know you got to consider the the level of the opponent but it's like he looked pretty good in the second half. He looked really good in the second half of Ole Miss, looked great against Colorado State, and then since then hasn't been the same. I, I know he was 10 of 16 in the first half before he got hurt against AM, but I, I don't know what in the world. Like, I understand quarterbacks have bad games, but he just looked like he had started over from square one right. uh, against, against Kentucky. So 
the really at this point, all you can really hope for is that the guys just don't let go of the rope that they, they show some fight. And I, and I said this so much last year and for the most part, I, and, and it, what really sucks for me just in particular is when uh, you and I did that interview for big trail nation, I sat there and said multiple <laughs> times that this team is not quitting. They're showing fight. And right after that, for the rest of the season, um, that, that proved to not be true right. at all. But uh, hope that's all you can really hope for this year is because that's that's all that we can salvage is. And you mentioned about being positive. That's what I'm going to do. I, I I will always ride with the code. I, I might not like what they're doing, but I have really no choice but to right. pilot, support Chad playing, Morris. Man, we, we, as long as they're piloting yeah. it, we got to hope for the best. We don't want to go down with them. Yeah, that's exactly it. And I mean, it's easy to. Vo- I know it's easy to voice your frustrations on social media and everything, but. Really, unless you want to just have a miserable day every single day, all you can do is really just group together and and just hope that it gets turned around some way or another. I look at it it like this. At the end of the day, those coaches want to win. Those those players want to win. They're going in week, week in and week out, and they are trying to do everything they can do to win. And and I'm telling you, you, you're hearing it here, man. It's just, it's just the fact that we're, we have not recruited consistently for the past four years SEC caliber players. Um, and unfortunately, um, it's hard to coach at the University of Arkansas without those caliber of players. So therefore, you got to recruit. And we got to give him a few years to do that. We can't give him you know, a season and a half and expect to have it all together. Because right now, our two best offensive weapons outside of the transfer and Rakeem Boyd, I think has so far are Trey Knox and Traylon or yeah, Trey Knox and Traylon Burks. I think CJ O'Grady could be one of our top weapons. Um, I'm not saying he's not. I just think that those kids give us a little bit more spark. I mean, I saw some stuff out of CJ O'Grady uh, with the, you know, he had that big pass obviously that stands out and he's had a couple, he's had a couple other big plays. Um, but sometimes he's not involved and, and when you're not involved, you can't be, you know, a big time player. Uh, for us. So, I mean, I'm not counting him out. I think he's a great tight end. I think he can be amazing for us. We got to get him involved more. But I'm just saying right now to me, outside of the uh, outside of the, the the running back position, we've got two 18 year old kids out there that are the future for the Razorbacks. And we got to let them grow up and we got to get more and we got to keep recruiting. So I'm not judging. Uh, I'm not judging Chad Morris yet. I'm, I want to see what he does. And, you know, coaching staffs change too. So I want to see what he does with that as well. So don't, don't give up hope, my man. Yeah, I, I somewhat agree. I mean, I agree with you that there definitely needs to be more time. I think right now, my opinion is just based solely on what we saw against Kentucky and San Jose state, which is not 100% fair. I just hope that we don't see more like right. that, but you're right. I mean, it's, all situation. I know that we can point at Louisville right now and talk about how how Bobby Petrino, which we, we've we've talked about Bobby Petrino on this pod a couple times, but uh, what he left, the way that he left Louisville and just in complete shambles. It seems like he does that with uh, programs quite frequently, and and they're doing pretty well this year. I think it's two totally different scenarios, to be honest. But every situation is different, and. Though there's a few games that that Chad and Co should not have lost, uh, there there really does need to be at least one or two more recruiting classes 
and uh, that that's just the reality of it. And let's just hope that they can keep what they have left and maybe secure one or two. Right. Time will tell. Hey, all I'm going to say is this. Last thing I'm saying is you can't tell me that those two receivers and Trey Knox and Traylon Burks won't be one of the most lethal wide receiver duos in college football come their junior year. I can't can't so, argue with that. So I think Traylon Burks. Case, is, we just need to put a couple other pieces around them. Let's get KJ groomed let's get him out there and get him right give him a couple couple uh, or a couple games at the end of the season to get some experience let's keep recruiting let's hit the juco board let's see where we got there let's hey two seasons from now we could be a completely different looking team all under the same coaching staff uh it just it, it just helps when you've got better athletes i mean it helps it's easy to be alabama's football coach right now yeah. It's easy. And delicious. You got the best athletes. So I don't know, man. That's all I got. So, well, before we get out of here, I wanted to uh, have you talk about your uh, the podcast that I mentioned that you and DJ are doing oh, now. Yeah. So I kind of talk about that and then what you guys got going you on. You know, over so there. fourth and five is just a video podcast that we put together. It just goes out on Facebook. We don't really have any hit any other platforms with it. Um, and it's just been something that, you know, me and him are both down here in Little Rock. Um, been been in and around each other for a long time, and you have as well. Uh, we all go back to high school, so uh, we 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 thought, hey man, you know, uh, you know, it, it's it, in our world, everything's on social media. So we said, hey, why don't we just go ahead and put together our own little Facebook podcast show? Um, let's videotape it and let's just talk about what we're already talking about in the living room, in the car, when we're fighting each other, going to the gym, or arguing with each other after a game. Let's just start recording that. And uh, and let's 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 send it out to the people. Give it to the give it to the people here in Arkansas. So, fourth and five at fourth and five on on all the different platforms. But you can watch our full show uh, on Facebook at fourth and five. Go to DJ's page or my page, uh, and you can find it there. But it's fun, you know. I love listening to your stuff too, though, man. I love I love getting your take on it. So I think that's the cool thing about you know being in Arkansas. Is you can get a lot of people's different takes on, on the game and we can all get together and, and talk about it and, you know, shoot the shit. There you go. Can't beat it, man. Well, you guys are doing some great stuff and uh, certainly, certainly appreciate that. It's always good to, you know, you guys both are very heavily tied to the program. Of course, DJ Williams, one of the, the greatest tight ends, maybe arguably the greatest tight end in Razorback history. He's got a Mackie to show for it along with honey, Hunter Henry. So, uh, it's, it's always good to have takes, especially with guys that are so close to the program. So awesome, Joshua, man. Uh, man appreciate it as always me. for your for yeah. time. And we'll, we'll look forward to ho- Hopefully, man, we can do this at one point when we actually have a team to, to uh, be excited. I can't about, wait. Maybe one I these. cannot wait. Thanks for having me, brother. Sure. Well, uh, that'll do it for another edition. My, for Josh Throne, my name's Kyle Sutherland. You've been listening to Texas. Outstanding, so I stand out. I'm more babe than a bash house.